Inner Challenge, a podcast that takes the mystery out of cultivating mental wellness. Today's question is, how's your sleep? But before I wake you up with some easy hacks for this most important self-care skill, I want to check in on how did you do with last week's Inner Challenge? You know, doing a little remodeling on your nests? If you remember, nests is the acronym I use to help tweak our self-care. N is for nutrition, E, exercise, S, sleep, T, technology, and S, stress. Nests. I'm not looking for a total remodel here, just adding a few twigs here and there and understanding the importance that self-care plays in cultivating mental wellness. When it comes to mental wellness, a little nesting goes a long way. So did you notice how food affected your mental clarity? Maybe you were like one of my clients, a college student who focused on the N, nutrition, and committed to eating a yogurt each morning. She came in to her 8 o'clock session, empty yogurt cup in hand, saying, Ugh, I hate it when my mother's right. A yogurt, a banana, and a cup of coffee in the morning really do help me think better and have more energy. What a good choice. She can eat them on the go and does not need to cook. Being in the business of nesting, I recommitted to incorporating a bit of meditation into most of my clients' sessions this last week. This was a way for me to help them with stress prevention, as well as an attempt to give people a little bit more confidence that those of us in the West can meditate. Maybe you conquered that critical inner voice that demeans your 30-minute walks as not being enough exercise. You laced up your shoes, you enjoyed the beautiful day, or maybe you laced up your shoes just to prove to yourself that you could walk outside in the rain and the cold without melting or freezing. Again, the whole process of nesting is to cultivate mental wellness so we can realize our abilities, cope with the normal stresses of life, work productively, and have healthy and fulfilling relationships. As I said in the previous podcast, from my 35 years as a therapist, People's ability to do self-care, from my perspective, has significantly decreased. If I had to sum it up, the biggest culprits in this human endeavor of nesting are, number one, thinking that self-care will just happen without us creating a plan that takes a bit of intention and effort. Number two is that the lack of sleep makes it really hard for us to carry out our plan. And number three, technology. Who listening hasn't had the experience where they started to scroll on their phone, looking at TikTok videos or YouTube recipes or whatever, only to find that the 40 minutes that they had set aside to go for that walk or that swim or take a nap has evaporated. Nests points us in the direction of the basics we need to do to cultivate mental wellness. But from my perspective, sleep and technology are the biggest obstacles in being able to carry out our self-care plan. So I am giving each of these nesting skills their own episode. So let's begin. How is your sleep? Trust me, 
Anyone who has ever been one of my clients or a child of mine knows that I am relentless when it comes to encouraging people to sleep. When I first became a therapist back in 1986, the first few sessions involved me doing a genogram of one's family. Nowadays, I start most sessions assessing for nests. Let me tell you how this happened. About 12 years ago, I ran into one of my son's high school teachers. He told me he was under review for giving his students too much to read in one of their AP courses. He said he was confused because he had been giving the same amount of reading for seven years. I encouraged him to run an experiment. I suggested that he pass out three by five cards and asked the students to write how many hours they had slept the two previous nights. He looked at me like I was nuts. A few days later, he sent me an email and he said on average, his students had slept about six hours. He was shocked. I was not. I replied, that means that they are getting three hours less than the nine hours sleep a teen needs or 21 hours short every week. So basically, his students were pulling two all-nighters. No wonder they could not read. Of course, this was 2014, and most of us were joyfully celebrating the fifth birthday of the iPhone, blissfully unaware that besides connecting us in ways never before imagined, it was also sabotaging our sleep. Since that time, I have asked all my clients how much they sleep. Of course, in this day of Fitbits, Apple Watches, and sleep apps, the data is at everyone's fingertips. In fact, for two years, I tracked how much my adolescent clients slept at the beginning of treatment. These clients, whose brains are in a huge growth spurt, slept on an average of 5 hours and 23 minutes. Just to be clear, the Geneva Convention states that sleep deprivation is a form of torture. It is illegal. Yet, many of us are doing this to ourselves. I could give you some statistics, but let's face it, we all need more sleep. So for the rest of the podcast, I want to share with you the information from the book, The Circadian Code, written by Dr. Sachin Panda. I love the one-pager we have created for this podcast. Go to my website, mjmurrayvishan.com to view it under the podcast tab, podcast one pager number nine. Dr. Ponder focuses on circadian rhythms. I strongly encourage you to listen or to read this user-friendly book. From my layperson's understanding, it's relatively new information that can help us in all areas of physical and mental wellness. Dr. Panda helps us to integrate what has recently been learned about our body's circadian rhythms. Most of the organs in our body have their own clock or rhythm, and if we understand the rhythm and work with it, we will feel better mentally and physically. The rhythms keep us healthy. If you break the natural cycle of these clocks by eating late or sleeping less, not only do we not feel as well the next day, but we slowly become predisposed to a variety of diseases including diabetes and obesity. Let's start with the numbers. If you are between 1 and 5 years old, you need 10 to 12 hours of sleep. You're probably not listening, but you may have a child in that category. If 
you have a child between 5 and 12, they need 9 to 11. 12 to 17-year-olds need 8 to 10 hours of sleep. And if you're 18 to 25, you need 7 to 9. Above 25, adults need 7 hours of sleep a night. Panda has an interesting term called sleep opportunity, which basically encourages us to be in bed one hour longer than the amount of sleep we need because this allows our bodies and minds to wind down. So add an hour to whatever is the amount of sleep that your age group needs. So let me go on and share with you Dr. Panda's sleep hacks. The good news about all of his hacks are they're relatively free and very doable. I have done them with my family and many of my clients with excellent success. I'm not going to get too much into the science. One, it's not my area of expertise. But secondly, you can easily read it or listen to it when you hear his TED Talk. Lastly, and most importantly, what he is saying is common sense. I think it's how people slept from the beginning of time. We really can help our sleep become better. So, hack number one, decrease the light that you are exposed to in the evening. Yes, our bodies are meant to respond to sunset and sunrise. As the sun sets, our body begins to naturally prepare to go to sleep by increasing our melatonin production. We can help this process to not be hijacked by understanding that bright light disrupts our natural melatonin production. So here are three easy hacks. Number one, turn off all overhead lights and just use table lamps. Do this in all of your rooms. Number two, understand that our devices, phones, TVs, iPads, project blue light. This type of light interferes with our sleep, so we need to eliminate as much of it as we can. We can do this by putting all of our devices on night shift for Apple products or night mode for Samsung products. This is an easy hack. We can also buy a pair of blue light glasses that we can use on the computer or when watching our LED TVs at night. We can get these on Amazon for 10 bucks. Lastly, and perhaps the most difficult, but I have found this to be incredibly helpful, we need to be off our devices for an hour before bedtime. I find it helpful to remember that it was only 14 years ago that we all began to sleep with our phones. Yes, prior to that, people read a book, flipped through a magazine, or just went to bed and allowed themselves to wind down. You can expect that it will take you 15 or more minutes to fall asleep. Yes, this is normal. You may need to buy an old-fashioned alarm clock. I have had so many people protest when I've said, you really need your phone out of your room. Because, of course, for most of us, our phone has been our alarm clock. Goodwill, Amazon are full of clocks that don't tempt you in the morning to scroll down your phone and lose 20 minutes reading about Jennifer Aniston's dog, your favorite sports team, or whatever, when you really should be getting up and getting your day started. So far, so good. Hack number one, manage the light after dinner.
Hack number two, don't eat before bedtime. Eating or drinking late at night interferes with falling asleep and getting deep sleep. Our last bit of food before bed should be two to four hours. Digestion takes a lot of energy. And remember, our body is an exquisite machine that is preparing to sleep once night comes. Really understanding that giving it food less than two hours before bed derails the restorative and reparative process that goes on all night long in all of our body's organs. There should be a sign on our refrigerator at 8 p.m. that says, Do not proceed, organs at work. I know it's un-American to not have ice cream at 9 p.m. or a bowl of popcorn or a glass of wine, but trust me on this one hack. My clients have reported that this one change seems to have made the biggest difference in them sleeping better. At first, this can be very difficult, but after three to five days, my clients have reported to me that the benefits are so clear-cut that it's really self-reinforcing. So this goes back to N. So ask yourself, why am I eating so close to bedtime? Am I soothing, bored, or am I avoiding going to bed? Or is it because I'm really hungry and didn't eat enough for dinner? If that's the case, just increase what you eat at dinner time. Or if it feels impossible to go to bed without ice cream or popcorn or a glass of wine, just eat them two hours before you go to bed instead of 30 minutes. So, hack number two, don't eat before bedtime. Hack number three, lower your temperature before bedtime. The body begins to cool down in preparation for sleep. Befriend your body and go along with this natural process. Sleep in a room 70 degrees or lower so your skin feels cooler. When we sleep in a cooler room, the blood flows towards our skin to keep us warm and the core of our body becomes cooler, helping us to sleep better. If you cannot control the temperature of your home, taking a warm shower will have a similar effect. If you wake up too warm or too cold, then experiment with blankets. Or maybe you need to not wear those fuzzy PJs to bed. So hack number three, lower the temperature before bedtime. Again, it's a hack that doesn't cost anything, but just a little bit of awareness. Hack number four, Spend seven to 10 hours in bed. If you want to have good self-care, you need to have a plan on being in bed seven to 10 hours a night. It's fascinating to me that people plan on being at work for eight or nine hours. They plan on being at school for seven, but they have no real plan for how long they need to be in bed. For most people, sleep has become optional. Newsflash, sleep is not optional, and I think we need to change our mindset that says it is. It might seem obvious, but one of the biggest challenges for many people is just getting themselves to bed at a decent time. Most of us live in a 24-hour entertainment cocoon, as well as a 24-hour work or study cycle. In the last 20 or 30 years, our days do not end unless we put an end to them. You do not need to tell me that the automatic download on Netflix is great for their business model. 
but it sucks for our body's need to sleep. Late night emails and texts from work often make us stressed and keep our minds on our jobs, not on bedtime. If we want to get enough sleep, we have to intentionally decide to give this to ourselves. No one will do this for us, unless, of course, we're an infant. I encourage people to set an alarm as a signal to help them begin to get ready for bed. When the alarm goes off, there is an internal agreement with oneself that the day is coming to a close and it is our job to close up shop. Yes, another day where we do not get our to-do list done. Another day where we did not have as much time to relax and watch our favorite shows as we would have liked. Because we live in a time of such abundance, we must come to peace that we can never be on top of everything, be it work, home, or in the world of news and entertainment. I find it helpful to see our evening routines as similar to our mornings, except the job is different. At night, it is our job to go to bed. It will pay huge dividends if we can just show up and be successful at putting ourselves to sleep. For the most part, we step into the job of morning pretty well. We get up and we get out the door in time to start school or work, but at night, we seem to lose focus and it becomes a bit chaotic as we watch one more episode, answer one more email, or go down the TikTok hole. It's so interesting how very difficult it is to put ourselves to bed. Not couch, not chair, but bed. For many people, we get our best sleep on a mattress, but that 40 feet from the chair to the bed can seem like 100 miles at 10.30 at night. A number of years ago, I was working with a college student. He entered therapy for low mood and focus issues. In our first session, he told me he was sleeping just under six hours a night. He was 19, and he knew that if he could get eight and a half hours, he operated his best. Initially, he said to me, I have so much homework, getting that much sleep is impossible. But for one week, he kept a diary of his days, and he realized that he was basically spending so much time on his phone that he really wasn't studying as much as he thought. I admired his courage to be honest when he said to me, I actually think about doing my homework all the time, but I have to be honest, that thinking is not doing it. So being a college student, he set out to run his own experiment. For two weeks, he created a life where he made himself go to bed and get eight and a half hours of sleep. Week one, he reported that he kept to his experiment and he could see improvement. An interesting thing happened week two. As I was walking away from my office and down the hall, I passed my client, though I did not recognize him. When I returned and walked into the waiting room, I realized what had happened. Two weeks of enough sleep had changed his appearance dramatically. I told him I literally did not recognize him when I passed him in the hall. He laughed and he said to me, I feel so much better. I have so much energy. I don't have a low mood anymore. My ability to focus is so much better. And I feel so much less grumpy. I can get my homework done so much faster. 
which means I don't have to think about it as much and I have time to do other things that I enjoy. One of the interesting things that I want to point out here is one of the dilemmas that I have as a therapist is that when people are not getting enough sleep, they often do have the symptoms of being depressed or focus issues. And for some people, those decrease significantly when they really set their mind to giving their body enough sleep. My client looked at me and he said, MJ, you really need to teach people that sleep is a skill set. I started to laugh so hard that I caught him off guard. He looked at me, said, why are you laughing? I really mean this. You really should be teaching this to everyone. I said to him, after crying and pooping, the most basic skill that all of us learned as an infant was sleep. And isn't it sad that we live in a time that we lose this skill and we often minimize the absolute importance it plays not only in our health, but in our ability to feel happy, joyful, energetic, and passionate about our lives. Though I think this man is right, we do need to see sleep as a skill set, one that we commit to, and that one that we really create a plan to follow. Don't give up. I know this is hard, but just don't minimize how important sleep is in your life. In this next week, try to sync up with your circadian rhythms. Decrease the light. Don't eat two to four hours before bed. Sleep in a room 70 degrees or less. And have an intentional plan to be in bed for the amount of time that your body needs. This is your inner challenge.